0: CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Siemens Smart Grid. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sun All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sun Joke All.
1: Hello and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter hashtag #CTRlive and look for this show as hashtag #Leadership. Today's topic is instilling confidence in your team, and our guest for today's show is Brenda Decker, who's the CIO State of Nebraska. How are you, Brenda?
2: I am doing great. How are you?
1: I'm doing just fine. Life is beautiful, and we are off to a good start in 2014. And we also have Becky Blalock, who is the managing partner with Advisory Capital, and she's the author of D.A.R.E., a straight talk on confidence, courage, and career for women in charge. Good morning, Becky. How are you? Good
3: morning. Glad to be with you.
1: Uh, glad to have you on the show. So on our last show, someone mentioned that above all, a leader's job is to show that you have your... Teams back. That really stuck with us and we wanted to explore what that meant by examining how leaders work to build confidence among others. So, uh, as a first question, Becky, for you, we talk about making sure that our employees are confident such that they perform better and they want to do more. But what does the word itself mean? And what attributes and qualities do we attribute with confidence in a workforce?
3: Well, To be confident, employees have to be willing to step outside their comfort zone. And that comfort zone is where they feel safe, they feel accepted, and they feel valued. And they're only going to step outside that comfort zone and really help you achieve what you need to in the workplace if they feel like they've got the right kind of support from you as a leader. Because truth of the matter is the higher up the corporate ladder you go, the less the job is about you and the more it is about who you surround yourself with and how you empower them. And people don't feel very empowered unless they feel like that leader is there to support them and to help them be successful, helping them feel safe if they step outside that comfort zone and take some risk, helping them feel valued, uh, that you value the contribution that they that they uh, put forth, and helping them feel accepted as a member of the team.
1: So, um, Brenda, when you uh, look at what all just uh, Becky just said about what it takes to make someone confident, I'm assuming that any leader or any organization kind of strives to do all of that. But where do things fall through the cracks because of which there could be pockets of lack of confidence, whether at an individual level or at a group level?
2: You know, I I absolutely positively agree with everything Becky just said. Um, As I keep moving into different levels in the organization, that's the one thing that I continually espouse to the team is my main job is to make sure that you're covered in all situations. Um, I think where things fall through the crack is sometimes there is a, a thought process that, um, the person at the, the top of the food chain or towards the top of the food chain or at least up the food chain from you understands all of the things you've been doing and knows exactly where you're at in processes. And the thing that always falls through the crack of of everything um, that goes wrong, it seems, is the communication piece, both ways. I have to really spend a great deal of my time communicating to the staff what is going on uh, in in the areas that I'm trying to cover them, what's going on in the political scene, what's going on with upper management that I'm responsible to, but also what I'm seeing happening at the areas that they're working in and if it's not correct, them coming and making sure I do understand what is going on in their areas. they're going to step outside their comfort zone and and sometimes step on some toes but if I don't know that that's the direction that that group is moving or something that we're implementing could possibly have some effect on someone else and the staff has that information I can't cover them. So that's that's one of the things that we work really hard on in, in our organization is, um, I, I always tell people I'm not a surprises person. I would much rather know something going good or something going bad early in the process so that I can cover you. And, and and I think that's one of the hardest things for everyone to understand because it's tough to come and tell the boss you've got a problem or that there's something that's not happening the way you thought it was. But it's also tough to come in and not sound like you're bragging if you want the boss to know something good that's going on.
1: So Becky, if you were to take an example where someone is feeling confident and that could be because the person feels that they are familiar with the surrounding, they have done this earlier and then they have the capabilities or the skills required for it. If they have, there is something incremental to be learned, then they can do that. All of these things factor into somebody feeling confident that I can jump into the pool without floaters. But there are more often than not situations for people when they are in, in, unfamiliar surroundings things that they're trying which is for the first time and they may have most of the skills but many of those other skills are not there but there is an intense pressure to deliver on that new thing because that's going to be the ticket for their promotion or a, a bonus check how Absolutely. do you think in such an environment you could have somebody demonstrate confidence is it like a nurture or a nature thing then
3: well I'm, I'm, it's a little bit of a combination both. Thing about confidence is it's really a learned skill just like public speaking and leadership, there are things you can do to make yourself more confident. And one of the most important things you can do is act. Put yourself in these situations where you feel at risk because being in those situations, getting comfortable with discomfort and learning to, um, to succeed is what's most important in building confidence. You know, so many times we overestimate the consequences of failure, uh, and What you have to do is, when you have doubts about things, make sure you get all the facts, make sure you're prepared, make sure you do your homework, because nothing's going to make you more confident than being prepared. But be willing to act, because even if you fail, you learn something in the process that makes you much more successful on the next try. Confidence is a very, very important part of growing the leadership skills that you need to go up the corporate ladder. And if you have an environment where people feel like they're not going to be allowed to fail, uh, then they're not going to jump out front and they're not going to take those, um, those risks. But in today's world, there's so much change, there's so much we don't know about what's happening that you've got to get more comfortable being uncomfortable and accept the fact that when you put yourself out there and you take a risk, that you're going to learn something. Failure's not failure, it's feedback. It teaches you what doesn't work so that you can be successful on the next try. Now what you don't want to do is put people in a situation where they're going out and doing things that and telling them it's okay to do things that are unethical, you gotta draw a line. I uh, perfectly agree with what uh, Brenda said that you gotta communicate what it is you're trying to do and what your expectations are. And I believe if you create an environment where, you know, people go out and they try and if they fail and they're doing what was uh what you know was trying to help meet corporate goals, that, that all day long, um, you know, everybody else watches and if somebody tries to do something and they fail and they get penalized for it and they were trying to do something that moves the organization or the company forward, then what do you think the next person is going to do? They're certainly not going to get out front and, and, uh, and take any risk. But in today's world, when we're trying to drive more innovation, more creativity in the workforce, companies, organizations, and leaders have to be much, much better about making it making it okay if somebody does fail, because that's what's going to build their confidence so that they can be successful on the next trial.
1: Brenda, on one hand, uh, we want to give some level of immunity, especially when uh, your team is trying something new, so that either it is success or is, it is some sort of a learning. What is the level of immunity offered to a leader typically from the top? Do they also demonstrate that or then otherwise, if your neck is on the line, how can you offer that lenience or uh, immunity to your team members? Do you think this has to start from the very top even above you as a leader?
2: Well, it's got to start from the very top above me as well, especially in a governmental organization. In government, we do everything in the newspaper. Um, there's no such thing as a private failure in in government, and and um, the buck stops for this organization. The buck stops in my office. So um, I am very conscientious that I have hundreds of people in the organization that um, could make or break me. So I think that's very important, but. I also have to understand where my boss is going, and in this case my boss is the governor, and what his priorities are and the level of, of where he will back me. And the the fortunate thing for me is I've always um, worked for individuals, and I and I do today, work for an individual who is very, very supportive of the things that I do and very supportive of, of watching my back. So um, that helps, I think, considerably, because I can then have the freedom to make sure that I can I can help people do some of those things. But I think the other thing that we have to be very conscientious of, and, and I think that Becky said it very well, we have to make sure that people are not doing things that we absolutely cannot um Tolerate, for example, uh, she, she made the comment about illegal or immoral things. I mean, we need to make sure people understand there are boundaries. It's not, it's not something that you can just go out and and take the company's fortunes or the company's reputation and throw it all out there on the line. But you're allowed to fail at the things that people are looking at that say this is an acceptable. Um, uh, trial, this is something that was an acceptable risk for the for the agency, the state, the company, whatever to take and And I think that part of it is um, not uh, giving everyone enough rope that they can hang themselves but give them enough rope that they can try some things just because they 're not doing it the way I want to do it doesn 't mean it 's being done wrong.
1: And so uh Becky, coming to you, what based on Brenda says, they're not giving enough rope that they hang themselves, and at the same time giving them the sandbox that they can play. But at the same time, we are also putting conditions to say you do not put out your fortunes or company's fortune at stake, etc. How on earth does a person know, sitting down there, who doesn't understand the whole picture? even though you might explain to them to some extent. But when they're in the trenches, their mindset, the scope at which they're looking at things might be entirely different than what you do when you're in the ivory towers. So the level of uh, exposure they may have to what they are doing, that might have them sometimes make mistakes, and that is not truly intentional. Nobody comes to the office say, I want to uh, really do bad things to the company today.
3: Well, I think what, what Brenda and I are both trying to talk about is that, you know, you, you, you draw the line where somebody goes out and negotiates a contract where they get some sort of a, uh, a payback themselves. Mm-hmm. Some things like that that are uh, immoral and, and unethical are the, are the kind of things that are, that are the drawing line. But, you know, you're always in situations every day, particularly as a CIO, where you're making multi-million dollar decisions about technology direction. And it's not always clear what direction a company needs to go in. Should you move all your data to the cloud or should you keep it all inside the four walls of your data center? Those are multi-million dollar decisions that should be based on homework, doing your preparation. And it may be that you've made the wrong decision. Uh, what, I, what I tell people is that, you know, you've got to make your decision based on, you know, the best available information that you have at the time. Then the other thing I tell people is that, you know, you have mistakes that happen all the time. Is, was it malicious or vicious? In my former company as the CIO, we had a situation where we hired an intern to come in, and in the summer, the job we gave him was wiping the servers. And he uh, forgot to disconnect it from our network and randomly deleted a lot of the data the company had. We took us two days to get it all back. We didn't fire him because he didn't do it maliciously or viciously. Uh, we actually spent a lot of money educating him that that was something that you don't do. And so... Uh, you have to look at are things, uh, decisions being made, you know, with the best possible judgment, the best possible information that you have at the time. And the other thing is, is that if somebody makes a mistake, what do you learn from it? You don't go out and fire somebody if they haven't done something viciously. You look at what can we learn from this so that you get better next time. And those mistakes are very critical to helping you become much better down the road and you've got to be open to that as a culture if you want to create an environment where people feel free to speak up. Because a lot of times those people on the front line sometimes have a lot more information about what the right decision is than the person in charge. And if you don't create an environment where they feel like they can speak up, particularly in technology where it changes so fast, then there are a lot of key things that you're not going to know at the senior level if somebody feels like they can't speak up.
1: So let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, Brenda, please hold your thought. We'll be coming back and talk about this and then continue our conversation. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back.
4: The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option. It's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google, lead the charge portal.
0: HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sun Joke All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All.
1: Welcome back. So uh, Brenda, based on uh, what was discussed uh, just now, you had a follow-on comment I'd like to complete, and then I'd like to ask you a question about the communication as the key to building confidence that you mentioned, and where we feel the communication is poor and that would lead to confidence. What are those specific ways by which you could fall short on your communication?
2: Well, I think you know I was I was listening as Becky was talking, and I think you know she's she's got it right, spot on. Uh, people are a little bit nervous about um, what they should and shouldn't say, and quite frankly, they're probably the ones that have the best ideas as as how to move this forward. I mean, that, that it, it, there's no way any one person, whether they're the CIO. The president of the company, the governor, whatever can know everything there is to know about everything. There just is no way. So, um, not involving those people in in how you're going to make some of these decisions, um, I think, is one of those things that is is a flaw when we start getting into, as Becky said, these multi-million dollar decisions that are being made in in the CIO's office. Um, you know, I think some of it is also as as you were. Uh, talking about you know how do we communicate that some of that is a very difficult to do Um, it's somewhat generational some of it and some of it is just plain especially in a government uh, setting is just plain difficult to communicate because you come in with the perception Uh, in a lot of cases with state government of, well, you can't do that or somebody's going to, to put that on the news or it's going to be printed in the paper that, that so when so made this decision. We're really, uh, we really try, at least in our organization, to make sure that when a lot of these large decisions are made, everyone on the team is involved in making that decision and I think that helps instill some confidence because quite frankly if you can go around the room and say okay I'm I'm starting to see this idea gel what are the pros and what are the cons and try to get people to actually start communicating and opening up about it you can actually get people that will say something and you go you know that's a really good perspective or that's a really good idea And just one or two opportunities to say something that somebody validates what they're thinking and what their process is helps them become more and more confident to adding to the conversation. We just see a lot of the people in the room starting to open up, even if it's not them that were validated. If it's one of their coworkers that was validated, it's like, hey, wait a minute, they are listening. And you start immediately seeing it snowball. So, so we try really hard to do that. We also have um, something that I've tried to do in my office is when somebody brings a problem into my office, instead of me trying to always be the problem solver, one of the first things that I do is say, "Okay, how do we solve this? What what ideas do you have to solve this?" And I think that gives them the idea that you're not only going to be bringing me issues, but you, but I'm really interested in how do you think we should solve this problem. And we, we seem to get a lot done that way.
1: So, uh, Becky, when you look at uh, the instance, you mentioned about an instance where an intern did something and you took the time to help solve. Now, that's an, in, an isolated incident where you demonstrated as a leader and, of course, your team members helped. Instill confidence in that individual. Now, one is to do that at instance by instance basis or a case by case basis. And second is to create a culture of confidence where there may be pockets where somebody's not feeling good, but their coworker could go and give, lend them the support. And that's how we are nurturing each other to become more confident. Now, this is, this is something which is an ongoing journey, but how do you build that DNA within the team?
3: Well, I think you hold people accountable for supporting each other. And, and one example that, that I'll give you that worked for me, and I, and I think Brenda talked beautifully about the fact that people really do want to give you their opinion. They want to feel heard. And, and uh, I learned a lesson because I'm very much an extrovert, and people would come in and say, here's a problem. What do you think? And I would tell them what I think. And of course, I'm sitting around the table with a bunch of my direct reports, and I'd say, now, what do y'all think? And you know what? They weren't going to challenge me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. so what I learned to do is to be very disciplined about keeping my mouth shut and say, well, I don't know, even if I had my own ideas, what did you think? And what I learned would happen is information that I hadn't even thought about that might not come out if you as the leader uh, are so quick to put your opinion out there. So I, I think that that's one of the steps you do. The other thing is that we did a lot of upward assessments because I think a lot of people that are extroverts like me sometimes... You know, we're not even aware of things that they were doing that shut people out. And uh one of the things in that upward assessment is, you know, is this person supportive of others on the team? Because I inherited a team. Uh, when I got the job, I was told that they didn't want to hire anybody inside the organization because they all hated each other. They said these people are not a team. They don't like each other. So the first thing we did is we instituted a little teamwork su- survey. And every six months, we rated each other, and the number one thing is, is this person supportive of everybody, else, of you and of everybody else on the team? On a scale of one to ten, just a quick and dirty little survey that our HR group did, and it changed the uh, whole culture of the organization because people knew they were going to be held accountable for that. So sometimes you have to make clear that you're expecting people to support each other and help each other. You get the kind of behavior that you reward. I've also worked on a team with a uh, with an executive, and his whole thing was he liked he liked to keep everybody all stirred up. He thought people were most productive when they didn't trust each other and they were fighting against each other. And, uh, and I don't think that's productive. I've been on both kinds of teams, and I I think the team that's the smartest team in the world, where people don't trust each other and don't like each other, they get paralyzed and they can't do anything. And I've worked on teams with people who maybe weren't the smartest people in the company but they liked each other and they trusted each other and they were collaborative and that kind of a team can make anything happen all day long because that also, when you know that people support you and you know that it's a collaborative and trusting environment, the best ideas are going to surface and together the team can accomplish so much more than individuals fighting against each other. But I think you have to hold people accountable for that kind of behavior. And then it cascades throughout the organization. It begins with the leader. You don't have a leader that operates like that. You're never going to build that
1: kind of culture. See, this is the word accountable, uh, Becky, you mentioned. So, Brenda, coming to you, the word accountability somehow to many people sounds like it is an imposed uh, element, whatever it is you're being made, made accountable for. So instead of thinking about somebody being made accountable, how about looking at somebody becoming countable, which is coming from inside out? Because if you're, if you're always trying to make this as a professional versus something that you ought to be doing as a a conscientious human being, then you're more likely to follow through versus out of fear of somebody being reprimanded because what you were accountable for, you did not deliver to it.
2: You know, I think that's an interesting uh, thought. I think we all use the word accountability because it's one of those things that's been in our culture for, for many, many years. But I think what Becky's talking about is exactly accountability. We need to know that you are um, responsible for this. We need to know that you are going to provide this type of service to our internal customers, our external customers, to each other, to support each other and um we're going we're going to hold you to that that's part of our culture and i think that's that's very very important and i think when we we keep people in that kind of a mindset that you are part of this team and this team either fails or succeeds together um, we're not 15 different teams inside of one organization uh, i think that, that that's very very important and i think if if you can build that culture um you're a long ways down the road because she is absolutely right. The most productive teams that I see in state government, whether they're within my team or um, out external in one of the other agencies, teams, are the people who like each other and get along and support each other. They don't have to be best buddies. They don't have to go to lunch every day together, but they don't shoot each other in the back, period. It's part of a team.
1: Now, interestingly, we just got a tweet from Karen Geraldo, who's one of the followers with us, and and she actually tweeted uh, be- Becky's comment about you learning not to be disagreeable disagree- when team won't fix communication breakdown, just move on down the road. But what does that message, what does that give as a message to the rest of the team that, okay, if somebody did not something which is acceptable, or maybe that's not going to be conducive to building a good culture of supporting each other and and having a confident team, and you just you know, not pay attention to it and move on. Does that undermine what you are trying to accomplish in the first place, Becky?
3: I think what you have to do is listen to everybody. I mean, that's the whole point, is you want an environment where people feel like they can speak up and say, I disagree. I don't agree with what you just said, but there's also a way to go about doing that. You know, I tell people all the time, it's great to disagree, you should always disagree, but make sure you do that in a very respectful way. Uh, so that you don't uh, embarrass people, Um, because people want to hear feedback, but sometimes if you put it out there in the wrong way, you know, some of it's a communication style, you can alienate people, even though you have the best uh, um, available uh, information and the best idea. Sometimes people won't hear it if you do it in a way that is, um, you know, disrespectful to other people or in a way where you're, um, you know, undercutting somebody. There's always a way... To get your idea out there. And, but what you've got to do as a team is create an environment where it's fine for people to challenge, where they should challenge, but just be careful of the way you do that. There's always a way to say, instead of saying, I totally disagree with you, to say, you know, I need more information about that because here's kind of what my, my data is telling me. And it's, it's counter to what I'm hearing here. So help me understand. I've, I've always told people one of the most powerful, uh, things I ever did is, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, in Stephen Covey's book, one of them is Seek First to Understand. Make sure you're getting all the information if somebody puts something out that's totally uh, counter to what you think. And what you may find is that your idea really had no merit once you learn uh, more information about the situation. You know, uh, It's fine to challenge, but just make sure you do it in a very respectful way because people won't hear you if you don't do things in the right way.
1: Brenda, when we talk about investing, and this is something which is uh, used quite a bit, we say that we invest in our employees or in our team and then their their growth. Do you think there is a connection between you investing in their growth and whatever they do and them building confidence? There's a one-on-one correlations or there is a a one or two levels after which some uh, emotions get triggered or something else happens which makes them become more confident?
2: Well, I don't think it's a one-to-one. I think it's a one-to-many, quite frankly, because I think it's uh, someone that is looking to grow their skill set, grow their abilities to make sure that they are part of your organization and and advance their careers. Um, I think they recognize that they aren't going to be able to do that if they don't have the confidence to put themselves out there, um, and I think part of it is sometimes people will sit back and say, "I would have been able to go after that promotion, or I would have been able to apply for that other job if I understood X or if I knew how to do X," and 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 it's again a confidence thing. Sometimes, sometimes it's a talent thing, but but. A lot of the time it is an absolute confidence thing. So I think it's a one-to-many. I think it is literally taking the time, investing the time to make sure that someone feels that they can build their confidence and make sure that they can become part of the overall effort of the team and be able to express their their thoughts and, and do it as, as Becky said respectfully and, and understand how to move forward with that. I think that, not only affects that person in that one situation, but affects them in a lot of their situations in their lives. And, I, and like I say, I think one of those things is the people around them see that kind of interaction, and it is also a growth opportunity for them. They see that okay, I can also use that same technique. I can also take that same risk and opportunity to to make sure that I. Have my input in there, and I think it just makes the whole organization become stronger and stronger. If people understand what the goals of your organization are, where the organization is going, um, they, you know, as as Becky said, they can just they can do anything and your whole organization goes from a group of people that are doing their daily job to a group of people who are not only doing their daily job but understanding how to move the whole organization, your whole team forward. It, it, it's just mind-boggling. So I, I really think it is a one-to-many um, investment.
1: Let's take a quick break, listeners, we'll be right back. And, uh, Becky, when we come back, let's look at the way you look at how to build confidence and the culture related to it in an organization, and how does that get translated, if at all, uh, in the right way, and if there are problems with the managers, because they are the ones who are dealing with their own uh, people who are reporting to them. So if you want your the whole organization to become confident, that means at the mid-management people who is dealing with others should be feeling also uh, competent to be able to instill confidence in their own uh, reportees where mistakes are made what issues are created uh, because of that and where we undermine the overall value they could have otherwise created if, if uh, not things are not done right so let's explore all this when we come back please stay tuned
0: HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud.
4: US and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google lead the charge portal.
1: So Becky, managers, your frontline workers who are also supposed to be working with their reportees in order to instill confidence what you would have done to them or to other people. You want them to be either cloning you or even be better than you in order to get the end result of an enterprise which is full of confident people who are ready to jump onto anything new that's available.
3: Right. Uh, you know, the great thing about it is, is you do have communication tools now that allow you to reach you know, a broader array of employees, but if you want to change the culture of an organization, you've got to target your frontline supervisors because what all the research says is that those frontline supervisors have tremendous impact back on your employees. So I used to spend a tremendous amount of time uh, trying to target them with specific information and doing upward assessments on them You know, I tried to identify every year who were the top-rated managers in the organization, and I would send a letter to each one of them and thank them for being the great leaders they were. identified who the people were in the bottom. Sometimes people are in the bottom not because they're bad leaders but because they're managing performance, and so they're not getting great feedback. And what you need to do is reach out and try to help those people. Now, if they continue to get that consistently bad feedback, uh, it may be that you need to change them out. Not everybody needs to be... And a leadership uh, position, and I also tried to recognize the people that had the biggest improvement in their scores every year, but I do think as a leader, you have to watch who you put in those jobs and make sure that you're putting the right kind of people in there that are going to drive the kind of behavior that you want. The other thing is that when I first went into IT, nobody was getting promoted out of the organization. Uh, they were getting promoted within the organization, but not, not in and out of the organization, and so nothing speaks to the fact that as a leader, you're doing what you can to move an organization forward and having people on your team get promoted. I always tell people, you're not a very effective leader if nobody on your team's getting promoted. And so I tried to put a lot of emphasis on getting people promoted, which meant that we also had to put a lot of emphasis on leadership development and going around and, and interviewing employees and in focus groups. And I'd ask them, what can I as the leader do for you? The number one piece of advice that came back was put more emphasis on our development. So, And you don't have to spend a lot of money on training to do development for your employees. Give them the opportunity to go shadow somebody. You know, if you have a a speaker who's coming in somewhere, um, you know, spend the money to send them to lunch to go hear a, a speaker or give them an opportunity to go tour a company facility. All of those things help grow them without, you know, a tremendous amount of investment but you got to be focused on their development employees need to see that people are moving up and out the other thing that that we did to sort of lift morale is we started putting ourselves in for awards uh, uh, for the work that we were doing and people some people will say well you know that's self promotional well truth of the matter is you've got to produce award-winning work to win awards and when our our team started winning awards people began to, to, to take a lot of ownership of the fact, well, we're not just coming in here and doing our job every day. We're excelling and we're winning awards for what we're doing and we want to create more award-winning work and finding ways to recognize people that were doing uh, exceptional things. We created a, a, a uh, an innovation award where we recognize somebody who came up with the most innovative idea or the most ideas that ended up getting patented. I think you have to recognize the behavior that you want to continue to see happen. And because uh, cause when people know that what they do gets, gets recognized, they will repeat that behavior. I never will forget, we had, uh, I had a, a meeting with a group of employees up in a a remote area of North Georgia that did desktop support. And a 35-year veteran employee tapped me on the shoulder and said, I want you to come to my office. And he said, this is the thing I'm most proud of. We had given him like a $10 you know, plastic trophy for an idea that he had come up with. And here he is, 35 years with the company, and this is the most important thing that somebody had recognized his idea. You can't underestimate that those little things go a long way towards driving behavior that um, demonstrates that an employees got confidence and that you appreciate the good ideas that they're putting out there. You have to reward that, though.
1: So, uh, Brenda, when you look at, uh, this concept of reward, which is very, very useful and very valuable, totally agree with you, Becky. Do you think that there would be people, and is there a risk for people who not get the rewards after they would have worked hard to have a reduced confidence level?
2: Well, I, I think it's, uh, like Becky was saying, I think it's a situation where it is not necessarily an all or nothing type situation. Um, we have awards that we give out in, in our organization as well. Um, we call them the MAD Awards, which sounds terrible, but it's it's actually made a difference awards. Uh, people that are are recognized by someone that they have done something for, um internally and externally. Uh, you know, they get a certificate, but they get their picture on our Facebook page, um, you know, those kinds of things. But then we also have the, the large awards for large projects as well. But I, it's one of those situations where um, I think if you're recognizing uh, team efforts and you're recognizing, again, going back to what we were saying earlier, is recognize the behavior you want to instill in people. So we we are very conscientious about making sure that we're not only just recognizing individuals but we're recognizing teams that have done something um, that is that is where we want to go and and have have done something innovative um, we have a lot of things that I think in state government you have to be a little more careful about because uh, you know sometimes even those 10 dollar awards people look at you and go that's 10 dollars you spent that you didn't need to spend but the simplest little things that you can do, um, that mean a lot to people, uh, you know, I, uh, stories very similar to, to, Becky's, but one of the things that I have instilled and, and tried to do is every year when I find somebody who is doing something exceptional or different, I send them a handwritten note, which people don't do that very often anymore, and that is one of those things where somebody looks at a note that's got my handwriting in it that says, you know, thank you for doing, you know, whatever, and, you know, it really made a difference to us, and and I noticed your part in it. I walk around my building, and I find those notes literally hanging on people's bulletin boards because, again, they're very proud of what they did. They're very proud of the fact that it was recognized all the way up to the office of the, uh, to the chief information officer. So I think it's one of those things where again, you can never do too much for individuals. The other piece of that though I would caution everyone is have an understanding of what the individual Feels as recognition. There are people in this organization that if they picked up the building and moved it across the street and I tried to bring them into a group setting and give them a certificate for doing that, would absolutely die. I mean, that's not what they want. They don't want to be recognized in front of a large group of people. So you've got to kind of understand. Um, your individual teams and the people on your teams, again, depending on that frontline supervisor to help you understand that. Of how does this person want to be recognized? Is this a person who would rather have me just stop by their their cube and say, "Hey, that was a heck of a good job," or is this someone who really wants a certificate in front of a group of people that will applaud, et cetera, et cetera.
1: So, uh, Becky, this is very interesting about the different personality types. Now, there are definitely there's a mixed bag in any company, and there would be people, as you mentioned, uh, Brenda, that they could they would like to like to get something more than just a certificate in some cases. But then there are people who may be um, not having the confidence. It's not that they don't have the right intent, but they don't have the confidence in certain things. So when they are invited to join, uh, that initiative to our contribute towards it, they would either find a uh, fault in it, or they would say, you know what, this is not going to work, etc. which actually undermines the confidence of other people in the team. So it's, it's not that they want to do it, but confidence is at the very, uh, root of the problem. How do you handle with those personality types? And how, do you really should or, uh, handle those people because they're causing you more harm than good, or if you had to handle them, how would you bring their confidence back?
3: Well, I think what Brenda said is really powerful. There's some people that don't want to be the center of attention. Now, that that's a small percentage of your uh, population, but particularly in IT, you have people uh, more so than in other areas I've worked who don't necessarily want to be singled out. Some of the feedback I used to get, because every year we would take our top 10%, and we would make a big deal about it and have a top performer award, and people would say, I don't want to be recognized in front of everybody because I'm a part of a team, and I don't want people on the team to think I'm taking credit for work that the whole team did. And so, you know, we had to coach them and tell them that, you know, it's important for you to get recognized because you're the role model for the kind of work that we want done in the organization and you know we would uh not treat them any differently than this top 10% but that it was important for the rest for them to understand that we wanted the rest of the team to see that they were getting recognized because this was the kind of behavior that we wanted everybody to exude and once we had those conversations with them they seemed to um, appreciate that and accept the fact that um, that it was good for the organization for them to get the recognition And so I think you have to be sensitive to that, but I I think that if somebody's done a great job, you can't treat them differently than how you're treating other people. And as a senior leader in an organization, if you have a thousand people, you don't, you don't know every single person that feels that way. So you have to leave that up to individual supervisors to have some discretion about because they're going to know people a lot better than you are, Mm -hmm. uh, as to how they treat people. But as long as it's a uniform, Process that this is the way we're going to recognize people. Then, then, and you know, we want to single and keep it in the back of your mind that when you have these big awards, not everybody's going to feel great about it. I'm an extrovert; I'd always love for somebody to recognize me. But I, it was, a, it was really interesting to me to see that not everybody feels that way. But once you make it about this is good for your team, for you to get recognized, for them to see that you're someone who has done a great job people seemed to be much more accepting of the fact that we wanted to recognize them they're just different personality styles and you have to accept that when you're a leader
1: let's take a quick break listeners we'll be right back and brenda let's talk about overconfidence so we did talk about things where people would be working uh towards building their confidence as leaders and for others but then there could be other people who would go overboard and that could also have its own challenges let's explore that when we come back uh, please stay tuned
4: The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google lead the charge portal.
0: If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All.
1: Welcome back. So, Brenda, what do we do with the overconfident folks who could actually in some cases intimidate others or they may create more risks than the rewards that will come because of the confidence?
2: You know, I, that is actually a good problem to have. with And, and I really think that um, it's one of those things that um, it, your first instinct is I've, I've got to go stamp that down and make sure that, you know, they're not taking over the world. So, um, but it is a good thing to have because it's somebody who actually is going to get the team motivated and going to, going to get everybody thinking in the right direction. But you're absolutely right. There can be sometimes where that person is seen as their, um, the, as we said, the prima donna, they're the person that, oh, sure, we can't ever get a word in edgewise. Um, that's somebody I think you need to really spend some time teaching them the listening skills that Becky was talking about earlier um, the, they um, are important people and I think you you want to be cautious that you're not saying, boy, you know you you gotta you gotta shut up for a while but you want to make sure that you're actually talking to them in a in a way that says you know you have a lot of great ideas you have a lot of Um, confidence that you're making sure that we're all hearing your great ideas you have a lot to offer the team but you also need to make sure that you're letting your other team members express their views as well so you know help them develop the fact that they've got to listen to to the other people on the team they've got to make sure that they're really hearing what the other people on the team is because a lot of times that type of person is listening, but it's not really sinking in as to what the person is really saying. So, that's almost a a, a coaching of a different type, making sure that you're making the um, making the person understand that this really is an opportunity for you to grow and make sure you understand um, how we move this organization forward by becoming a better listener and and contributing in that way. Becky. Well, I agree
3: 100% with what Brenda said, and I'd much rather have an overconfident than an underconfident person on my team any day. Sometimes, you know, you can be so overconfident that you come across as arrogant and you intimidate other people, and then what happens is you begin to shut communication down. And what you have to do, I think, with those kinds of people is try to get them to be more self-aware Uh and and, and emphasize to them the importance of making sure you're not shutting out the good ideas that other people have. But having somebody who's competent, who's willing to get out front, um, I, I agree with Brenda 100%. They keep the rest of the team kind of on their toes. Uh, but this, but, And making sure that you're holding them accountable for being a team player. We used to say something in my former company and said, what you do uh, is important, but what's even more important is how you go about doing it. Making sure that you're not shutting down and not alienating other people, but whether taking that knowledge that you have and and that passion And motivating and bringing others along with you. Because if you're shutting them down and alienating them instead of bringing them along with you, you can be pretty destructive. But that overconfident, that arrogant person can be really a big help to you if they're self-aware and they understand how they're interacting with other people. And that's really a very coachable thing.
1: Now, do you think, Becky, in, in that case, would you rather have this person be part of the team but not necessarily lead while you're coaching and mentoring that person to not rub people the wrong way?
3: Uh, I think those people can be very effective in leading teams. People want to be on the team with somebody who's pretty confident about what they're doing now. They also want to be on a team with somebody that is trustworthy. So a very dangerous combination is to have somebody who's very arrogant and not very trustworthy. Uh yeah, I I think to be honest with you, that's one of the things that's wrong with corporate America is that, you know, we have a lot of areas that has taken place where people haven't necessarily been as good as they should have been at looking at some of the risks that were taking place and shut other people out. I mean you look at the whole banking industry and you know, we've made a lot of high risk loans in uh in this country. And if more people had been more cautious and listened more to more to more people on the front, uh front lines, then maybe we wouldn't be in the situation we're in today. I've often heard it said that if Lehman Brothers had been called Lehman Sisters, uh, we wouldn't wouldn't have the banking catastrophe that we, <laughs> that we have had. But I, I think that um, it's all about getting those people to do a better job of uh, listening to those around them. And, you know, it would depend on who that person is as to whether or not they would be
1: effective on the team. Brenda, when do you think – how do you, in fact, think we could evaluate if the leader – him or herself is at the right level of confidence for them to lead the troops and instill confidence in others. And if at all there's a gap, how as an individual, you for example, in, in, you've know, you been successful as a leader and leading a government organization, what do you think is the best way for you to identify there's a gap in terms of confidence in specific areas and how do you work on yourself? Because you cannot go and talk to somebody else besides an executive coach or somebody else in your organization, but you have to fix it because only then you can have that percolate through the organization anyways, confidence, I mean.
2: Yeah, I well, I think how I, you know, when you go to how you identify whether there's a person that's ready for leadership because of confidence, I don't think confidence is the only thing you're looking at for leadership, but it is one of those strong factors but as I'm looking for um, people in my organization to lead the organization confidence is one of those things that is definitely um, high in the in the top five things that I'm looking for as I bring that forward Um, and and as far as how I myself look for confidence I you know even though I have been the CIO of a state for several years I still have a lot of opportunities, as as uh, Becky mentioned before, of putting myself in situations that may not be exactly um, my my um, strength, and making sure that I become. I loved her quote of uh, "comfortable in in discomfort." I think that you continually have to find those places where you are put into a a position that says this is something that's going to be out of my comfort zone but I have absolutely got to take this risk and make sure that I'm taking it with all of the information that I can possibly gather on it and doing the right thing whether it's making one of those multi-million dollar decisions or putting myself on CIO talk radio which is not you know on on a topic that may not be the thing I do the best but It is one of those situations where you still have to take risks in your life. You still have to become comfortable with that discomfort. You still have to understand that, you know, um, failure truly is feedback. And and sometimes you're not going to come off as being perfect in something, but that's the only way you learn how to move forward.
1: Becky, one minute or say 45 seconds, since you've written a book on this subject, what do you think would be the top three things you would advise to people who are leading the show in their respective organization and also the people working for them in order to work at the best confidence level that they could have?
3: Well, the first piece of advice I have is go to my website, beckyblaylock.com, because I have a confidence quiz where you can take the quiz and determine how confident you are. And then there are tips. On that website too, different things that you can do that will help you be more confident. But I would say probably the most important thing you can do is just act. You know, we are as human beings programmed to be very negative and very very uh, cautious about things, because if you look at just human evolution, the the people that survived were the ones who were cautious, and we have modern man's really only been on the planet for a short period of time and our brains have not caught up with the fact that we continue to get lots of warnings and you want to get those because you don't want to stick your hand over a candle you want to remember that you get burned but for the most part most of our our thoughts are negative you have to overcome those and just get and notice the positive and be willing to act anyway and know that you're going to learn something in the process don't let fear shut you down
1: on behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you both, Becky and Brenda, for sharing your thoughts on how organizations can work with building, work on building a very good culture of confidence in their team and how the leaders can support it. Listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless.
0: Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio.